You smell that? It smells like bullshit to me. I think it is bullshit for sure. How do I know? Well, I just had Dr. John Petrocelli on and he told us how to detect bullshit more effectively with his new book, The Life-Changing Science of Detecting Bullshit. This is a really awesome episode. Um, I learned a lot about what the differences between lying and bullshit is. Uh, you'll get to know a little bit more about who is bullshitting the most, why it's advantageous to bullshit in certain circumstances, and what strategies you can use to detect whether or not someone's bullshitting and how to address it. So if this sounds interesting to you, if you have that that uncle or aunt or that cousin that always comes up with this bullshit excuse or some sort of nonsense that you just really don't know how to call them out on, um, this is the episode to kind of send them. You can just nudge it their way and they'll, they'll know exactly what's going on. Um, so... If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to Brain Buzz. I'm excited to have you. We are a podcast that is dedicated to making science accessible and enjoyable to listen to. So please do check out our other episodes on any of the topics that you find interesting. Uh, we always have new science on, new scientists on, new researchers on different topics every episode. Uh, so check out the ones you're interested in and check out the ones that you think you might be interested in because they always are enjoyable. Um, if you haven't uh, already, please do follow us on Instagram. We post content uh, all the time on new episodes and things that are going on with us. And we're on Twitter at BrainBuzzPod, Instagram at BrainBuzzPod. And our, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because that's like the only spot that you can really give us uh, reviews on our podcast. So go to Apple Podcasts. Even if you listen on Spotify, it would really help us out. And we appreciate any feedback that you have. Send us a message. I'm always, I'm always reading our messages. Anyway, that's it from me. Let's get into the episode. Roll the intro. Welcome back to another episode of Brain Buzz Podcast. I'm your host, Drake. Today we have Dr. John Petrocelli on. He's a professor of psychology at Wake Forest University. Uh, he specializes in attitude, strength, and persuasion, counterfactual thinking, and bullshitting. So today we have John on to talk about his new book that comes out today, which will be, today we'll be publishing this. Uh, and his book is called The Life-Changing Science of Detecting Bullshit. John, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank yeah, I, what a cool, what a cool book title. First off, and cool subject matter in general. Um, what was the bullshit moment that kind of caused you to go down this line of work? Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I have to say honestly, my I, I come from a long, long line of of bullshit artists, um, <laughs> and and um, I think. Uh, a lot of the research that I had done earlier in social psychology for the past 15 years um, on counterfactual thinking, so mental simulations of, of um, alternatives to reality, mm -hmm. um, the, the would have, could have, should have thoughts that people have and, and run through their minds and sort of play out mentally over and over again. I had um, collected a lot of quantitative data, but also a lot of qualitative data. So I have treasure troves of of self reports uh, of this of this counterfactual thought behavior, and what I found time and time and time again um, was well half half of the data never made sense. Okay, first <laughs> off, and then what I what I started to find was that no matter um, what someone did or or uh, didn't do, um, they seemed to feel as though they were they were entitled to a desirable you know, positive outcome. 
Mm. And, you know, so if, if only I had, I, I, I'm an engineer. If only I had been a lawyer, I would have been happy. I always, pers- I always liked law, but I was, you know, discouraged otherwise. Or, or if I had worn my red sweater instead of my green sweater, she probably would have gone out with me or <laughs> something, you know, stuff like that. And, and, and um, I, I started to think, well, m- perhaps, perhaps it's possible that it's just not in the cards for you, you know. <laughs> you know it's just, but but no one ever seemed to consider that. It was always like, well, if I deliberated long enough, I would have made the right decision, you know. Right. Uh, but but that's not that's not true in every case. So I thought, start. Why is this data not making sense? Why is half of my data rarely making sense? And um, I, I came to the realization that 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 people are bullshitting themselves uh, at least half of the time. And then the research that I've conducted over the past decade now on 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 bullshitting is that about 40% of the content that people self-report, not just uh, what, 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 what social perceivers believe, but what right. people uh, honestly yeah. report for themselves, it, it's on average about 40%. And, and I actually think that's, it's, that's uh, deflated a bit. I, it's, it's probably more like 65%, but, but about no matter what I ask people in, in my experiments to, to elaborate on, whether it be, nuclear energy, um, uh, capital punishment, uh, why prisoners might return to crime once they're released, why, why a student might be failing a class, anything. I, I, I did a study on, on a fictitious disease. I made up a fictitious disease and it sounded like it had some symptoms that uh, were common and I gave it a fake name and people readily made comments about it. Or I give people a person that they don't even know, I say they make a decision, um, in a political race, they dropped out of the race. Here's a little bit about their personality, all of which is completely non-diagnostic. And they can explain to me in great detail why, why she dropped out of the race. Right? So, so, in, and, um, so I also have treasure troves of data, qualitative data on, on that as well. And it's just very, very clear to me um, from the work that I've done on studying the behavior, um, it's become increasingly obvious um, that people form beliefs, you know, and they make decisions without any regard for truth mm. or without any regard for reality. And, and that doesn't bode very well for optimal decision-making. Yeah. Um, it just strikes it as a, as a researcher, a judgment decision-making researcher in social psychology, it just strikes me as a very, very odd thing to do. Um, and so what I'm trying to, what I've tried to do with the the book is to sort of, call out the idea like, well, hey, perhaps we've got, uh, you know, quite the deficit in critical thinking skills um, and wanted to sort of provide sort of a, a, a set of tools for not only detecting bullshit, but also disposing of it. And, and the good news is that you don't, you don't need to do 20 years of research. Or you don't need to have a PhD in psychology or statistics to use these tools. Right. Um, and so, so that's sort of the, the, the impetus for the book. Um, and yeah, there's there's a, a lot of places where where the the behavior and the the substance of bullshit kind of rears its its ugly head, and it needs to be addressed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's so much that we we can cover today, and I'm sure that's covered in your book as well, John. <laughs> like when you're talking with this, I'm thinking of bullshitting as being something that may have been really adaptive before the rise of the internet where someone would have to take your word for it because there wasn't any way to yeah. fact check effectively. Is that kind of something that you've seen in your work or that you might've thought about? Yeah. I mean, I think today, um, just as 
it probably was 50 years ago and I'm, I'm kind of speculating. I don't, I don't want to add to the, <laughs> the amount of bullshit you might be exposed to uh, today. Um, yes. But I, I think, you know, years ago you know, without the internet, people were still expected to have opinions about everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and of course it's impossible to have informed, an informed right. opinion yeah. about everything. But, yeah. but I, 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 I believe with the information overload that, that we have with not only internet and social media and just, um, everything that we're bombarded with this, everything quote unquote has gotten larger, mm-hmm. right? So we're in the past, maybe people had to have opinions about, uh, nuclear energy or, or, or nuclear war, or should we go to war or mm-hmm. who should be allowed to vote? Or what about minimum wage should, or what about affirmative action? What like all of these kind of general social issues, mm-hmm. um, should males be allowed to be nurses? I mean, <laughs> those types of things. I'm sure people had opinions about those things. Well, today you're still supposed to have opinions about those things, mm-hmm. right? But but now you're also supposed to have an opinion about whether or not Game of Thrones ended early or whether or not people should be allowed to carry uh, dogs in their purses <laughs> or whether or not Kim Kardashian should be or shouldn't be famous and whether or not her sister should or shouldn't be allowed to digitally modify their pictures online, you know, and it's just so much, it's just endless, Mm -hmm. the types of things that people are bombarded with that people talk about in daily conversation with people that they directly communicate with. Right. So, I mean, if, if, you know, Anderson Cooper or, you know, Hannity or Maddow says something on television and I agree or disagree with it, no, nobody really cares. It's really, it really doesn't have much of an effect, but, but, you know, if I engage my, my colleague or close friend or my neighbor or my family, you know, people that I trust, people that I, I communicate with on a daily basis and I actually, and, and, and affect me, um, I think bullshit coming from those sources is, is, uh, much more impactful, that interpersonal, uh, bullshit that we might be exposed to. And they're talking about the same things, though. They're talking about the same things that everybody else is talking about, all of the big issues and all of the small issues. And, mm-hmm. and again, it's, it's impossible to have an informed opinion about everything, but it doesn't seem to stop people from trying to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, 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 John, what's the difference then between full-on lying and maybe fibbing and then bullshitting? Yes, this is this is an important question. Um, so it's often confused for when I tell people what I do and what I research, um, they seem intrigued because they're they're also um, they also all seem to know the same person. You know, it's they all seem to know the world's greatest, most successful bullshit artist, and he's usually you know Maurice on the third floor in marketing in their building, and they have lots of stories to tell me, right? But 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 the bullshitter, um, unlike the liar is not necessarily trying to deceive you with the content. So, so a liar is, 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 is concerned actually with the truth uh, so far as that they can detract you from that and tell a successful lie, right? They're, they want you to believe something different. And actually the, the liar doesn't believe what it is that they're telling you, right? Uh, now, the bullshitter couldn't care less about the truth. Um, they're not paying attention to it. Um, they don't care. And in fact, what they say could just by chance be correct, right? Usually the liar tells you something that's incorrect, but, but the bullshitter could tell you something that's actually correct, but, but even they wouldn't know it, 
right? <laughs> because they're not paying attention. And so it's really the manner in which the liar and the 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 bullshitter come to the the content. So they may say the very same things. I could I could tell you, um, you know, um, yesterday the Red Sox beat the Yankees, right? And it could be a complete lie because I know well maybe it was the opposite. But I could say well I really didn't check the score. The Red Sox were winning in the seventh inning, and I yeah, and who cares? I yeah they 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 want right. And and now now I'm bullshitting right because I, I don't care about the truth. Um, so. So the social reactions, too, are extremely different. So social perceivers know the difference between lying, and and they react differently to lying and bullshitting. So when people lie and you find out, you know, your friend or colleague lied to you, most often people are not very happy with that. that. And in a lot of cases, I mean, with lying, it depends on, on how serious it is. It might get you fired. Right. Or it might get you some really, you know, negative consequence. And you're going to have to tell probably 500 truths as the liar to gain back the trust <laughs> of, of your audience, right? There's a huge asymmetry in, 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 in the dishonesty of the liar. Um, but with bullshit, eh, Drake's just bullshitting me, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's okay. You know, he, who knows? Maybe he's, maybe he's onto something too. Maybe yeah. he's on, you know, maybe it's not necessarily false. <laughs> and so we give the bullshitter a social pass of acceptance that we don't give to the liar. Right. You know? So even the way we talk about lying and bullshitting, you know, we might, you know, maybe someone sees us, you know, at the at at the office or out on the porch and we we could we can get away with say, oh, yeah, we're just sitting out here bullshitting, each yeah. other. you know, but yeah. no one says no one says, hey, we're yeah, we're just sitting out here lying to each other. <laughs> like it just it doesn't happen. So um, so so those those types of things are, are very different. And social perceivers, my experiments have shown that that they definitely know the difference. Um, the problem is, is that uh, Harry Frankfurt was correct. The philosopher first came up with this, this definition of what bullshitting is, it said that the problem is, is that people don't treat the bullshitter with the same disdain and the same uh, you know, negativity as the liar. And that's problematic because bullshit can have just as, as a negative effect, if not worse, because there's, there's so much of it. And... Um, what we do know, though, is that social perceivers do not view BS as negatively as, as the lie. Um, but there's a whole host of, of research uh, in, in learning, memory, and persuasion uh, that I've done over the past five, ten years that, that shows that, that Frankfurt was unfortunately right again and that there are consequences. Um, is when you say something and then and then... Your colleague tells me, oh, you, you know what, Drake doesn't know what he's talking about, but, but that was a lie. You know, that, that wine recommendation that he gave you, he hates wine. He, he just lied to you, you know. So now, now I know what you told me is false. I can tag that. I said, I, now, okay, that's, that's completely false. But, but if someone, your uh, colleague tells me that, oh, Drake bullshitted you. He really doesn't know what he's talking about at all. Uh, he never even tried that wine. He wouldn't, you know, so then I'll be like, well, okay, well, maybe, maybe I'll still try it because yeah. it's, you know, it could be ma- good. maybe yeah. it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so those, there's drastic differences. Um, people recognize the difference, uh, but they start, need to start behaving um, the, similarly in response to bullshit as they do the lie. That's, that's my hypothesis. Right. Yeah, no, I like the idea. So, so, Here's an, here's a scenario I want you to tell me if it's a lie or if it's bullshit because I feel like it's been called bullshit a lot in the way that okay. my friends and my family have said it. So someone someone that all is always late, uh, 
you know, five, 10 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes late to, to appointments or parties. They show up and they say, oh, the traffic was horrible or, you know, oh, my my dog had had an issue or whatever. Is that bullshit or is that lying? Because they're they know that they're not telling the truth, but it's kind of like the intention isn't really that like to, to deceive people necessarily because it's usually a kind of a crappy excuse. Yes. Yeah. So I, I would say that that's a lie. If they know yeah. in the case that you described, they know that that it's not the truth, that there was no problem with traffic and they don't even have a dog. OK, so then it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a lie. Yeah. Now, if let's say there was a bit of traffic mm-hmm. and, you know, um, I don't know, something wrong with the dog. And, and, and then they said, well, yeah, I, I'm sorry, I'm five minutes late. And, um, you know, it, I just I've had all of these obstacles and they played, you know, I would have been here, you know, 15 minutes earlier. You know, so That's maybe they're, they're, yeah. they're speculating about the, the degree to which those factors actually had an impact on the outcome. And it's probably leaning more towards bullshit in that case. Right. Um, and so in my, my experiments, I, I've actually let uh, my respondents in my experiments uh, sort of gauge, well, how much were you, you know, truly concerned with genuine evidence mm. or established knowledge when you made the claim or the assertion that you did. So mm. I do believe that there is a continuum. I mean, because yeah. you could be a little bit concerned, right? <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> a little bit interested or a little, have a little bit of regard for truth and evidence and, and, mm-hmm. and established knowledge, or you could have a lot of interest in it, you know? So mm. it's, 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 it really depends on, on, on where you are on that continuum. But, but yes, if you know um, for certain that Pluto is not a planet because you know that the, that the definitions are and you know what what Neil deGrasse Tyson has to say about it and 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 you say uh, and, and and I tell you that well no Drake Pluto is is still a planet and then I'm lying to you but if I if I tell you well I don't care what Neil deGrasse Tyson has to say and I I don't I was always taught that it was a a planet growing up and gosh darn it it's a planet I and and I haven't taken any time to even consider what the definition of a planet is, then then I'm then I'm bullshitting you. Right, right. So, so that's okay. really again, it's the manner in which it comes out in the in the sort of the how one uh, comes to the conclusions uh, that they're making that sort of differentiates between the two. But but the one similarity that makes it difficult, I forgot to mention, is is the is the deception in appearing as though. I'm concerned with the truth. So if I'm a good liar, I'm going, I don't want to hint to you at all that I'm, that I want you to believe something that's not true. Yeah. Right. But, but the bullshitter does the same thing. And, mm-hmm. and actually in some ways it's, it's easier to bullshit and get away with it because if you truly believe what it is that you're saying, then, then right. you can, you could, it's, that's, I mean, that's the first, that's, that's lying 101, right? Try, try to, try to imagine believing the lie that it's true and you, and you, and you'll, do all of the non-verbals, right? That that, <laughs> that come along with with good lying, <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know. And so so they're both deceptive in that way. Neither of them are or I mean, I mean, the bullshitter is not concerned with the truth, but the liar is only concerned so that they can make you believe something that's that's not true. Yeah, yeah. And and at the beginning there, John, you said that you can bullshit yourself. Is that absolutely? Like, what, what's the line between bullshitting yourself and just straight up lying to yourself? Because right you're, now you're talking about intentions for your own you know, preservation, self-preservation, right? So is it about the truth? It's not, when is it not about the truth for you and you're bullshitting yourself? Like, when does it help to do that? Yeah, well, I think um, that my guess, and this this is speculation, I don't have any direct data on this. Mm -hmm. Um, I would imagine that bullshitting the self 
um, occurs at least 50, at least 50% of the time when people are making, you know, judging, making judgments about themselves, positive or negative. I mean, uh, the, the, the problem with making judgments about the self um, and others is that people are oftentimes prisoners of the confines of their own personal experiences. Okay. Um, and the problem with personal experience, as you know, is that that, that data collection method is very, very messy. You know, it's, it's often random. It's unrepresentative. You know, it's ambiguous. It's, it's often incomplete, inconsistent, uh, indirect. It might be second, third, or fourth hand, right? Or, and it might be that, that data that you get from personal experience might be counter attitudinal or surprising in some way, in a way that you may, might really not like to, to digest. And so, um, that, Data collection method is is just too messy to make the audaciously confident um, conclusions about oneself and others that that most people do. Or it also extends to events that people have opinions about, or or how the world works. Um, and so, I think that that people most often they're not willing to do the work to get the data that they need to make. Uh, what we call in, in research, we call it the, the validity of research conclusions, like how valid, you know, how compelling really is the conclusion that you're making from the findings that you, that you have, have discovered in your research. And um, I mean, it, it, a lot of times it's bad even in, in, in research. So in, when, when there's sort of no rules to play by and people can make judgments about themselves and others, then it's it's like you know the gloves are off and 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 um, there's really there's really no rules to play by. So um, I would guess at least at least if not more than fifty percent of the content that people think about that they generate beliefs and opinions about themselves is is colored by that disregard that that uh, lack of concern for truth because otherwise the the, the opposite. The antithesis of bullshit-based reasoning and communication, um, and bullshit self-talk, is mm. is evidence-based reasoning, and evidence-based reasoning and communication take work. You know, it, you know, we can create some bullshit right now, and it'll take us maybe two or three seconds, right? But, but then to to sort of fact-check that and to to see like, well, is there readily available evidence that's compelling that supports our assertions, our claims? Is it is is it out there, or can can we can can we collect that data that's going to be diagnostic of of our of our opinions? Um, that's very difficult to do. Most people are willing to do it, and they don't have the quite frankly they don't have the time and resources to do it in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's a lot of work to do to do all that you know background check and actual research, the legwork to have informed decisions on all these things, right? So when it comes down to bullshitting, when you're saying you know people are more, there's a good chance that they'll bullshit themselves or bullshit others. Is it, is it mainly in things that can be objectively, you know, fact-checked or when it, when it comes down to subjective things, like you talked about, you know, should Kim Kardashian be famous mm -hmm. or whatever, right? A lot of the things that people might say, they might have reasons for it that might be kind of laying in that bullshit more, more or less. Um, but it, they can always fall back on the fact that it's just their subjective opinion on it, right? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, that's, that is a, a hotbed. I mean, subjective 
uh, content or or topics you know that are inherently subjective are just a hotbed for bullshit right mm-hmm. because no one is going to call you on your bullshit on that right because it's going to be difficult to to counter otherwise um even when things are objective people are rarely uh, willing to call you on your bullshit and that's actually one of sort of the second uh, major factors in my research that shows that that people will bullshit just on just about anything and that is the what i what i call the ease of passing bullshit hypothesis so if you believe if you're if your audience um you believe um will give you that social pass or they're not ex- experts in the topic of discussion you can get away with it um now as an example uh, i'm very very unlikely to bullshit an auto mechanic because i don't have enough knowledge about cars and how they work right to, so I've got a lot, I've got to ask a lot of questions. I'm I, I don't know the difference really between you know a carburetor and the radiator. You know, yeah. um, I know they're different, but I don't, yeah. I don't I don't I don't even know if cars even have carburetors. <laughs> so 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 I'm not going to bullshit the auto mechanic. They're gonna they're gonna know I'm going to sound like a complete fool, right? Yeah. So so in that situation, uh, coupled with I'm not obligated to share my opinion, that's really the only situation that people refrain from bullshitting. Right? Mm. But if you have those two, or even one of them, the obligation and the expected ease of getting away with it, then then people they just they let it fly. Right. So um, and yeah, I, I do believe yes. I think you're right. The subjectivity of the of the issue or the judgment would certainly play into making it easier and less likely to be called on it. And so people are you know, in in theory, would be more likely to engage in the in the behavior. Right. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, it sounds like there can be some sort of like fallacies going on here with like appealing to authority and assuming that people that are in authority figures just know more about certain topics. Right. So they could probably have that leeway when it comes to if they, someone asks a question they don't know, they could probably get away with bullshitting because they appear to know more than others. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got a, uh, a section in the book that I discuss the bullshit that that physicians um, often uh, maybe not even aware that they are offering to their patients. So, so I've made the argument, others, Gerd Gigerenzer has made the argument for years now that, that people, patients, medical patients, right, deserve to know what a positive or a negative test actually means, right? So you mm-hmm. get some test, right? They, we, we should expect our doctors to tell us what that actually means. Does that mean, do I have a 10% chance of the illness or is there an 80% chance? I, I personally want to know that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, before they do the next test, I want to know well, what, what are the, you know, uh, you know, how worried should I be here? Right. And, and, uh, and maybe it's two weeks before the next test, who knows? So, mm-hmm. so um, the problem is, is that, um, and this is going to be surprising for a lot of people um, and, and really very scary is that, is that a lot of, a lot of physicians, even in their own areas of specialty, they don't know exactly what a positive and negative test actually means. Um, and so they're supposed to be able to tell you what a conditional probability. Okay, so you get a negative test, you get a positive test. Well, what does that mean? Is there, you know, what's the likelihood? What's what's the probability of this condition, you know, th- this disease what, or what, whatever it is that, that, that they may be looking for? Um, and oftentimes, even in their, their, their specialty, they get it wrong. Uh, you know, even if you give give them a multiple choice, you know, say is it okay? Is it one percent, ten percent, eighty five percent, or ninety five percent? 
you know, they're just kind of all over the board. And, um, and so physicians, I can't think of another profession other than, 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 you know, family doctors or surgeons, right. That are supposed to know everything, right. Especially mm-hmm. about, they're expected to know, you know, as much about the human body, right. And, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, as much as the auto mechanic is to mm-hmm. know about the car, right. And their, their professions are going to suffer if they right. don't have the answer. So, yeah. so they're often in that position of having to know more than, than they're able to speak on. Mm-hmm. Um, my head goes to so, politicians as well, John. Like, that oh, seems, absolutely. That absolutely. seems like the one of the ones that people reference the most as bullshitters, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, what 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 gets me about uh, politicians is that they they talk about so many things. They talk yeah. about uh, they talk about medical care, right? They talk about climate econo- change. They, yeah, they talk economic. about economics. <laughs> they talk about um, you know climate change. What all of the issues of the day, mm-hmm. right? And all of these things. I mean, medicine is incredibly complex right economics is incredibly complex uh you know psychology is incredibly complex but but you could say the same about math and mm-hmm. physics too right and, and chemistry and and uh nuclear energy all of these things that they're concerned about fracking all kinds of things all of these things are extremely complex yeah. but when they talk about these things they got they seem to have the you know the ipso facto uh logic incarnate answer yeah. of certainty to how to fix the problems, right? Or how to prevent the, the problems. And the reality is they, they really oftentimes don't know what it is they're talking about. But mm-hmm. we've, we've come to expect that from politicians. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. the, the sort of the quintessential prototype for the, you know, the bullshit artist is, is, is the politician. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, once, once people are willing to support a particular uh, political candidate for whatever reason, um, now you've now you have it you have easy street you know with yeah. with those followers and accepting whatever bullshit that that you come up with mm-hmm. um so yeah. and I, i've shown that in an experiment both with with conservative and and uh liberal uh participants in my experiments who were just kind of given um you know nonsense statements like hidden meaning transforms unparalleled abstract beauty and it was allegedly said by nancy pelosi or it was allegedly said by uh paul ryan or some you know so yeah. depending on what their political orientation was and and depending on who said it right it was either good stuff right on target <laughs> or it was bullshit you know? yeah. so and yeah. and you find i found the same basically the same effect across the board on you know both uh, all, the entire continuum of of political orientation. So, so yeah, exactly. I mean, it, you, when you align with somebody says something and they align with your, either your, you know, uh, with your tribe, you mm-hmm. know, um, or, or if they say something that you agree with, it's very, very difficult to then detect bullshit, right? Because mm-hmm. we like to, uh, in a lot of cases, we like to believe that bullshit is correct. I mean, what we wish to be true, what we hope to be true, um, can, can often pass as truth, not as bullshit. So mm-hmm. it's it's very difficult to to see that. Yeah, yeah. So 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 John, are there certain times or places where you think bullshitting could be advantageous or good for somebody? Yeah, I well, I'm glad you asked that. So yeah, because I don't I don't want to I don't want to suggest that all forms of bullshit are equally harmful and dangerous. Right. So um, so I've tried to sort of my my goal with the book too is to try to change the communicative culture and try to change the language surrounding this behavior a little bit. So I, I offer a, a three 
fly uh, index, which uh, is, so it's one, two, or three flies. And then there's, there's one fly, I might say, well, well, that, that, that bullshit is harmless. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, maybe it only attracts one, the, the quintessential uh, prototype for bullshit detector. Maybe it only, it only attracts one fly. And these are the types of things that people might say that, that lead to a reaction of just the rolling of the eyes. Right. You know, I, you know, I used to be able to throw a football over a mountain, you know, in 80, in 1982 or, 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 mile. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, or, or, and, and things, uh, but I do think there's, there are actually cases, some of my very favorite, my favorite examples of bullshit are the ones that actually could have a potential benefit for, for society, not just for the individual. Usually people will bullshit you because it does have maybe immediate benefits for the individual, but negative consequences for society that they don't really care about. But I do think there are some, um, I mean, we tell children during the summer, you know, Hey, you know, Drake, they put a compound in that swimming pool water that reveals the presence of urine to catch people who pee in the pool. You know, now almost every child finds out at some point or another, that's not true, at least for this pool. And, and um, so they, so they know that, but, but um, they won't pee that day. (laughs) Yeah. To the extent that it prevents a few kids or adults even from peeing in the pool. I think that's a good thing. I think there's, there, there are, there are, but I think those are few and far between the the second level. I, I just call it bad. It's just, it's, it tracks two flies. Okay. So, so it's bad bullshit, right. If it, if it has like a, a harmful potential. Okay. So uh, a, a good example of it is, uh, did you see her face? Who would vote for a face like that? You know, I mean, that's just bad on multiple levels, right? It, it dehumanizes, it objectifies women, and it in, even implies that, well, they can't be good leaders unless they're physically attractive, right? So, I mean, that, that's just very, very bad. Um, but then you have what I call dangerous. So three flies <laughs> bullshit where it, it, it's, it has the ability uh, and high likelihood to cause harm if people work it into their reasoning and, and it's accepted. So Drake, you know, I can text while driving and you know what? Everybody does it. So I, I don't see the problem. Okay. So you know, and I, what I tell people is, no, 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 that is not, <laughs> that is, you are wrong. You know, you, you're wrong. And you're ignoring the data that you probably already have, you know, in cases where people have, you know, honked your horn, you know, thinking that, you know, you're goofing around playing video games on your phone. You just, you just can't do it. And it's, and it, it, all of the data flies in the face uh, of that bullshit. But if you ignore that data, if you ignore the evidence, right, that you're, that people collect on a daily basis, unfortunately, um, then, then you're really just bullshitting yourself. And I think it has great danger, but, but there's a whole host of other things. And I mean, those are just kind of, um, daily personal things that, that people, uh, encounter that, that, um, I think have a real problem and and need to be addressed like we do with the same kind of vigor as we do with lies. Yeah, absolutely. I like the, the, the flies, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the one, two, and three flies for bullshit. Yeah. Uh, John, yeah. before we before we talk about detecting bullshit, and I because that's the big part of your book is is you know helping people figure out when to catch this and when it's happening. Yes, the term bullshit. Where did it come from? I remember um, reading several different ideas and theories, but I, I don't I don't believe any explanations are compelling enough to 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 adopt. But I I do think that one one of the best 
theories, um, and it and it's it's not very well substantiated. Is that it's it's actually the 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 second part of the word is actually an acronym uh, for ship high and transit. So so in early shipping days, when they would ship uh, cow manure, you know, for uh, for fertilizers, it it would stink up the entire ship, right? If it was down below, you know, and maybe likely to be, you know, wet and moist, right? So, so they would say, well, th- this material needs to, to be shipped high in transit. And so that's where they got the, the, the second part of the word. That, that's the best theory, I think. That, and, but that's, again, it's just a theory. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. But, but it's, 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 there's no word that, that w- can replace it that commands yeah. the, the attention that it actually deserves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might call it malarkey or nonsense or baloney or whatever, but it's just, it doesn't have the same um, reaction. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to change. I, th- I think it, I argue with it in the book that it's, it's, we could not, we could make it such that it's not, no longer a bad yeah. word. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that, and that, and to, and to treat it uh, like we've been treating in philosophy and psychology uh, now since since uh, Frankfurt's seminal paper in 1986. I mean, it's 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 that long that it's been regarded as as a topic of consideration and, and empirical mm-hmm. study. Yeah, so, no, it's, uh, it's not it's not it's not an attempt to be provocative, <laughs> you know, and unintentionally or or or, or yeah. cute. You know, it's just it's, there's really no better mm-hmm. word for it. And I think we should call it for what it is. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's it's rare that a term that's used in psychology or in science is something that most people can actually attribute and understand off the get go, or at least a, a base level of what you're talking about. Right. When you say bullshitting or bullshitter, most people know what you're talking about. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And 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 as long as as they don't confuse it with lying, then, then I think it's it's something that could be worked with the way it it, it um it should be cool. Yeah, absolutely. What makes someone a good bullshitter, or is it confidence? Is it pride? Is there other unique personality characteristics that kind of lead people to bullshit more? Like you know, the guy, yes. the guy up three floors that's a bullshitter at work. Like who? What are they? What's the difference between them and someone that doesn't bullshit? Yeah, I, I honestly have no direct data on this. I don't have. There's there's no direct data on you know whether or not your your dark triad personality variables, uh, you know. Uh, Machiavellianism and narcissism mm. and psychopathy. Um, no direct data on it. I don't see why they mm-hmm. wouldn't um, uh, correlate and uh, be highly associated with 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 the production of bullshit. Uh, the success of bullshit uh, is another mm. is another question. Well, make, what makes someone a successful and convincing bullshitter? Um, I'm convinced that it's not something special about the bullshit artist. I, I'm I'm. I'm leaning much more towards what the audience does and doesn't do. So, so the work that I've, I've done on persuasion um, with bullshit versus, so bullshit persuasion versus evidence-based persuasion, all of the data so far lean strongly to the conclusion that people shut down mentally when they start to think that people are bullshitting. Okay. okay? So, so if I give you what I, I tell you, Drake, I'm really interested in the evidence. And so I really look this up. And so we should have comprehensive exams as as a requirement for graduation. Um, and here's why, you know, here's the good reasons why it increases people's uh, salary, you know, expectations. And it's just and, and employers like it, that kind of I, I give you strong arguments or I can give you weak yeah. arguments. I can say, well, 
well, Duke University is doing it. So <laughs> we've we always done do, it this way. Know? So, so those are weak arguments. So, so if you give people, if you signal to people that you actually do care about the genuine evidence, uh, they tend to listen. They tend to process the information on a higher okay. level. Okay. And they, and they're much more likely to recognize whether or not you've got strong or weak mm. arguments. Okay. However, when you when you say the very same thing, the very same arguments, whether they're strong or they're weak, and you signal, you know, I don't really care what the research suggests. I don't care what the what the readily available data indicate. I think we should do it, you know, or or we shouldn't do it, right? So what happens there is people have fewer thoughts, mm-hmm. right? They have less they have less confidence in their thoughts, and they have, uh, if anything, they show a little bit of attitude change in response to weak bullshit as they would the strong arguments framed in bullshit. So they don't recognize the difference. So, so that's a clue to us traditionally in persuasion research that, that people are not thinking very deeply once they think, well, this person hasn't thought very much yeah. about it. And they're not even concerned with the evidence that might otherwise support their case, mm-hmm. right? And so if they haven't thought about it very much, well, why should I? And besides, if I have to counter argue against them, it should be relatively easy. I, I won't have to bring my A game if I disagree with them because they haven't even done the work to to develop um, uh, well thought out arguments. They're not even looking at the information or that or the readily available different or evidence that might support their claim otherwise. Right. So, so I think it's 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 what people, uh, how people respond that makes someone. A, a successful bullshitter. I think you see the same thing um, with people who always assume that Bernie Madoff must have been this this wizard bullshit artist. I mean, for 18 years he ran a Ponzi scheme. For 18 years, you know, and and seemed to defy the stock market, right? And and but but he was able to snow uh, SEC um, investigators and regulators. With with fake documents, there were never any trades that Bernie Madoff had 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 actually made. It was a complete Ponzi yeah. scheme. But he showed with with over forty eight hundred investors that as long as he he appeared to have uh, a, on average like a one to one and a half percent you know profit each month for eighteen years, that people would still give him good money. I mean, millions and millions of dollars, and so. Um, it wasn't anything special. If you you look at and, and you read in a Bernie Madoff's and and, and um, there's a recent book that came out too on uh, Bernie Madoff uh, Madoff mm-hmm. speaks, right? And 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 it was very very simple. I mean, and most often, most of the investors and in, and in Madoff's hedge funds, they never even so much as met or talked to Bernie yeah. Madoff. Okay, it was just this this guy seems to know something that other people don't, and it's exclusive. Mm-hmm. You know, let's get in now. You know, we we appear to be making money. Uh, his brilliance, if anything, was to keep people yeah. in the hedge fund to keep their money in. But there was nothing special about it. People were already primed because they wanted to believe right. that, oh, I I could put in my life savings and I can live off my life savings the rest of my life because I'm I'm getting ten percent or twelve percent per yeah. year just off of that. And and it's um it's a it's a good case of the of the negative consequences of, of bullshit. But um, I think in that case, people bullshitted themselves. The real artistry was in, in, is, is in people bullshitting themselves and not looking at the scoreboard. I mean, no one it, it does that well 
that outperforms the market, you know, the S&P 100 and 500 month after month after month. You see these fluctuations in the S&P from month to month, right? But, but he, he was allegedly making all of his fake trades just within the S&P 100 and 500 and, and saying, well, these are market-driven decisions. But I think what he was actually doing in all of his fake documents was doing, he was to say, oh, okay, well, um, oh, Macy's went up, uh, you know, a percent. So it was like retrospective. Yeah. He said, well, if I had invested in this, this is what would have been the outcome. So I'll just make it look like I did invest yeah. in it. And I, he actually did. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, so it's, it's just very, uh, it's, it's very easy to get away with. I mean, look what Logan Paul did recently too, with, with all of his YouTubing before the Floyd Mayweather mm-hmm. fight. I mean, he just, I mean, the guy's not even, he's not a professional mm-hmm. fighter. Right. And he just, he, he riled people up and they wanted to see that fight and they paid millions of dollars pay-per-view to see it. And he bullshitted right after the, he lost too. Right. He said, well, I went to, I went yeah. the distance, you know, I'm the real mm-hmm. winner. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Floyd Mayweather's 44. He's six inches shorter than you. 50 pounds lighter and it's only an eight round match too. It's not a 12 round match. Right. So, but, but he was, he was bullshitting just like basic, like, I think I can do it. Um, you know, I, I, I have a shot, you know, Uh, I mean, Connor McGregor did the same, pretty much the same thing. I think he was actually uh, a more legitimate, uh, uh, opponent, but, but, um, but yeah, it, it does have, it does have the benefit um, to the, to the individual. And, you know, in, in that case, maybe, who knows, maybe it's harmless. A lot of people enjoyed, I guess, enjoyed watching the fight. So it, it's not, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's, it's necessarily, uh, uh, dangerous for society unless, unless Logan Paul is getting people to fight, you know, world-class, <laughs> you know, uh, fighters yeah. every day, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. But even for 10 million, for $10 million, I'll do I mean, it I'll get well, so. hit a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, those are really good examples. And I think like, so, so what makes us better than, no, so now, you know, let's talk about what your book's goal, goal of your book is, is to make yes. us better at detecting this bullshit. Now we know what it is, who does it and how they do it. What do we do to stop uh, falling for it? Yes. I think there, there's three things. Um, uh, three things in general, there, there's a lot of different tools that, that, that we can use, but, um, in general, the first one is recognizing one's susceptibility to the unwanted effects of bullshit. So, so the problem, even as early as, as Frankfurt's first paper, um, suggested that, that people don't feel like there's really a problem with bullshit because they feel like they can detect it in most cases. And so they're not susceptible to it. Right. Um, and what a lot of research uh, in the past two decades now, um, this, this Dunning-Kruger effect that's very popular, that's, that's over, I, I think the first paper came out in 1999. And we've known that the cognitive skills that a person needs to be competent in a particular domain are the same cognitive skills that people need to recognize competence. You know, so people, oh, they often overestimate their their knowledge or their their competence in a particular domain and oftentimes those people who are most confident are the most vulnerable right so they've got the strongest conviction but they're the most vulnerable to it and and some of my data suggests that as well um so so recognizing that everyone is susceptible to bullshit and that we can all improve our critical thinking skills to, to protect ourselves from it. Um, and the second thing I would say is recognizing the difference between explanation and evidence, 
okay? Explanation and evidence are two totally different things, but but most people will treat those things di differently. And my, my first experiments on the behavior, and I, I tried to measure the behavior, I just used the word evidence. And I, I got a lot of data that didn't make any sense. And then I, I went back into earlier cognitive literature and showed that that some of the wording that was borrowing from the scenarios I was giving people and having them them write about, they used the words ideal evidence or genuine evidence. And I realized, okay, all right, so my participants, they realize, oh, he means the serious stuff, like the real, the real stuff that I can, you know, boots on the ground, uh, hard core, you know, verifiable evidence, not explanation. I mean, I can explain and, and provide reasons for something, but that doesn't mean that I'm verifying, demonstrating, supporting an assertion right. or claim. So recognizing the difference and then placing um, a thousand times more yeah. weight on evidence than explanation right. and treating those two things mm -hmm. differently. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so doing that, so that's, that's another just general um, skill that, that, or, and, and recognition that people need to have. But, but then, there, then there are three basic questions, I think, especially when you can communicate directly with, with the, the, the potential bullshit artist or that, that, that's, that you're communicating with. And, and, the, and there's just three basic questions. The first one is what, how, and have you considered? Okay. So if you ask what, oftentimes what you're asking people is to clarify the claim. So Drake, you said, uh, you said X, you know, is, is, is what you are saying, uh, X, you know, or what, or what, what do you mean by that? What exact, what exactly, what does that look like? You know? Um, um, and so oftentimes what you will find is that people will take a couple of backpedaled steps and they'll start to clean it up a little bit because they'll say, well, yeah, okay. I don't mean exactly X. I mean, uh, you know, Y, but, but, but they're really, yeah. So you still know what I'm talking about. Right. But, and so they'll start cleaning it up and you're already exposing yourself to less bullshit right away, right? Because uh, it also signals, hey, you're interested. And now people are like, oh, Drake's interested in what I have to say. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, give him what my best, my best version of the of the claim is, right? So so get that clear first. And then ask how. How do you know? You know, that will lead people typically to provide evidence if they have any, right? Um, and, and you ask, well, how is it that you came to that conclusion? I'm interested, yeah. you know, you don't, you, you want to maybe play yeah. dumb, right. A bit and just say, I'm, I'm just really interested I'd love in, to learn more. <laughs> in your, in, in this thinking. I haven't, I haven't thought of it like that yeah. before. Just, you know, uh, <laughs> and, and just to say how you might have to ask how five or six yeah. times. And I have a, a friend that was convinced that, uh, January 6th, uh, rating of the Capitol was, uh, due to, Bill Gates and George Soros paying people, right? And I said, well, how do you know? I said, it's, it's okay, it's feasible, may, maybe, who knows? But how do you know? I had to ask him six times. And, and then he finally was like, well, well okay, I don't, I, don't, I don't know exactly how they, you know, but I'm like, well, what is the, what's the, again, the hard boots on the ground evidence that led you to that conclusion? Right. And, and so sometimes the conversation can stop yeah. right there, but because there's, there's really not mm -hmm. much, right? But, um, asking then, have you considered that your claim was X, Y, and Z? Well, have you considered A, B, and C? Is it X, Y, and Z in some cases and A, B, and C in the mm -hmm. other? Like, and have them talk about that. And if they haven't considered, what you've now got is, is three different kinds of questions that are, you can ask that all get at diagnosing 
well, how concerned is this person actually with truth, with yeah. truth genuine evidence, and established mm-hmm. knowledge? And and so that's what the, that line of questioning um, can get at. But in, in a lot of cases, we might be exposed to bullshit that we're not able to speak directly, communicate directly mm-hmm. with the bullshit mm-hmm. artist, right? And there's a number of signs, but the, the favorite ones are, are the same uh, the same tactics that have always been used by the bullshit artist. And the first is to use anecdotal evidence, mm. you know, and, and, and to treat anecdotal evidence as though it is data, right? It's systematically yeah. <laughs> collected data. It is not, you know, the, the, the proverbial, my uncle Larry smoked a pack of cigarettes for 85 years and he died at 103 yeah. or whatever and never had lung cancer. You know, that's, that's anecdotal. It doesn't count mm-hmm. as, as compelling, you know, systematically collected mm-hmm. data. Okay. Um, so the reliance on that, the, the complete uh, disregard and, and ignorance of disconfirming evidence is another favorite tactic. So they're ready to explain it away. Mm-hmm. If they can't explain it away, then they'll, then they'll use a character assassination. Yeah. Well, they say, well, 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 Drake's not really a, an expert in, in chemistry anyway, so he doesn't really know what the, you know, all of the interactions that are involved in the thing, you know, um, but then also use flowery language, right. uh, pseudo, what we call pseudo profound mm. bullshit. Okay. That, that oftentimes doesn't make any sense. It just sounds impressive, but you, you'll also see this in business yeah. speak. You know, so it, it's got, it's got the heady level when you listen to Deepak Chopra and you read Deepak Chopra books, but you know, in business, you got the same thing when people talk about bandwidth mm. and leverage and win-win and some of the, a lot of Synergy. these words, they're just kind of foggy, yeah. you know, kind of ambiguous. Mm. They're, they're, they're just there to kind of build up this illusion of validity, but they're, but, but uh, if, if anything, probably more harmful and yeah. ambiguous. Um, so, so, so you look for those signs uh, even when you can't communicate with, with the with the bullshit artist, and you can kind of come to a, a, a more informed opinion about the the truth value of that. But then also, I mean, you can also, depending on the issue, you can, if you're willing and you've got time and and it's important enough to do the fact checking work and to do a little bit of yeah. research, which um, at least we've got the now, <laughs> you know, so that, I mean, which is always true, right? It's it's just full of true knowledge. There's nothing false about what people put yeah. on the internet. Yeah, actually addressing the bullshit in a way that's non-combative is really important. And I think that, that that's something Absolutely. that you kind of highlighted that I really, you know, I think is a really important point because a lot of people will often, I think bullshitters when they're caught in that kind of bullshit moment might react mm-hmm. negatively and there might be some reactivity there. Uh, and the way that you go about calling them out on that bullshit is really important. And I think I really appreciate that you saying, you know, you have to be very, careful about how you call someone out on either like what they might feel is them full on lying but you know they're just not knowledgeable in that area yes yeah it it does certainly help um through the the three basic questions the what the how have you considered Mm -hmm. um and to ask as many follow-up questions as you can you know um and after that point you you've either saved yourself a lot of money or you saved yeah. yourself a lot of grief. I mean, I can't tell you how much money I, I have saved at, at, uh, the, the auto mechanic mm-hmm. shop, you know, and working with the auto representatives and just asking yeah. questions, um, you know, simple things that I actually am more competent mm-hmm. 
with cars than I than I thought I would. If I mean, there's there's tons of YouTube, you know, do-it-yourself videos on how to change an a, a cabin air filter. I could change probably 50 <laughs> of those in an hour, you know, and and I'll save myself thirty dollars when I do it too. Um, but when you ask so many follow-up questions, you try to get to the sort of the bottom of it. A lot of times, you don't even have to use the word bullshit. It's just kind of a a conclusion that you kind of both come to. Um, but I would, I would say that all of those follow-up questions will also help us determine whether or not something is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't call bullshit unless you're sure that right. it is, you know, uh, I mean, some, you know, in, in some parts that might be just like saying uh, you're yeah. a liar, right? And you, you might, you might not get a very <laughs> good, a, a good reaction from that. Uh, but I would say, yeah, be uh, another good rule is to just be considerate, mm-hmm. you know, consider the possibility that, that you're the one who's confused, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and just, and again, play that. I'm confused. Um, I, I really want to understand. Mm-hmm. So when you consider that, it's just, it's a lot easier, I think, for, for, for people when they realize, okay, yeah, that's, that's not really very well thought out and it's not very well grounded in, in evidence. It's a, it's a little bit easier of a pill to swallow, you know, when you say, oh, it, yeah, I guess it, when you can come to the conclusion that it's just kind of a, an error in yeah. reasoning, you know, as, as opposed to, uh, you know, a, a really big mistake that someone right. has made, but, but to allow them to also restate the claim. And that's, that's the brilliance I think of the first yeah. question is what, because again, you will clean a lot of mm-hmm. it up. Uh, how, let them restate it. Cause um, a lot of times I think uh, and I've got a little bit of evidence on this is that some people will make bullshit claims and assertions just to see what it feels like to say <laughs> it and sit to see what kind of reaction that you can get out of yeah. people um, and, and to see what, how, how people react mm. to it, you know? And so you may, you may not even really believe it. You just want to see what it's like to, to say that. So, so in, you kind of let people, you know, kind of out of, and, 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 and kind of restate their claims. Uh, they don't feel so, so guilty about mm. it. Um, but then I, I would say another, a good rule is to just kind of admit it when you do it yeah. yourself. It's just, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't help to double down, triple down mm. on the bullshit. It just it usually makes it, makes it mm-hmm. worse and and um and you can you you can lose respect and um you know when people know that okay well drake's just a constant bullshitter i mean they're not going to go yeah. to you uh expertise for, or help for on that. answers yeah. exactly yeah. so knowing what hill to die on is really important i think <laughs> yeah yes. if it's one that's that's uh built up on bullshit then it's not going to have a lot of foundation to, to stand on right uh and it's not no, worth dying no. on those hills yeah i so John, this is this has been really fun, really interesting to learn more about and reflect on the bullshit that you consume on a daily basis and probably the bullshit that you put out into the world too. Cause I'm sure a lot of people are catching themselves now thinking, maybe I should stop saying these things when I don't know as much about them. Your book comes out today, whenever we publish this. Is there anything else that you want to tell people about about your book or the process of writing it that you just kind of think is is really interesting or fun that people might want to, you know, check out more? Yeah, I guess um one of the other, I guess, more more societal um, responses that I, I hope people get from the book is that oftentimes it only takes one person to call bullshit um, to get the ball rolling mm-hmm. on, on, on something. So um, in, in social psychology, we've we've long um, known and, and, and researched this 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 difference between what we call descriptive norms what is basically our knowledge of what people actually do in situations um, and, and the difference between descriptive norms and what we call injunctive norms. And this is what people believe we should do in, in a situation. Um, and calling bullshit right now is not 
a descriptive norm. It's not, it's not the norm. Right. It's, it's rare that you see mm. this, you know? So, so either calling bullshit needs to become a descriptive norm and people need to feel more comfortable doing it. Um, and uh, either that, or we need to make more salient the, the injunctive norm, the should, or this, maybe this is what I should do in this case. Maybe there's some benefit of it. So either, either one, I think would increase the likelihood of calling bullshit. I think, I think if we start doing that collectively, we make it more difficult for the bullshitter to get away mm-hmm. with it, right? And then we, you know, if that catches on, then we can finally start to, you know, expose ourselves to less, be, be exposed to less and less mm-hmm. bullshit. Um, so that's sort of my idea for getting for getting this uh, getting this rolling. Um, and I, I think we'll be in a, a much better place if we're not so exposed to it and we're not making it so easy for people to get away yeah. with. I mean, if it can happen with it, they showed earlier studies showed that that people would would be less likely to litter um, in both a, a filthy uh, parking lot uh, at a library versus uh, a, versus a clean one. If they saw someone actually pick up a piece of litter and, and throw it in the in the trash. And so they made made salient that more salient made people more aware of well what what I maybe should do in this situation. But they also showed that it reduced energy consumption. You know, that if you just put a little smiley face on a postcard in the mail and say you're doing a really good job, <laughs> you know, that 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 it didn't it didn't increase the level of energy consumption. It actually reduced it a little bit. I mean so if it if it can change people's uh, behavior, uh, littering behavior, and energy consumption. I think I think it could change how frequently we call bullshit. And besides, it it can be a fun thing to do yeah. too. It does, it's not it's not always so miserable. Yeah, so. yeah. It doesn't have to be uh, you know doesn't have to be a bad process of you know calling people out on things. And you can do it in a way that's informative for everybody, and people learn from it together, opposed to uh, you against me. Uh, again, that's the life-changing science of detecting bullshit. It's, I, I'm excited to get it myself. It sounds so interesting. Um, and it has been really fun talking to you, John. So thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thanks again for having me, Drake. Yeah, absolutely. If you've made it this far, thank you for listening to the whole episode. You're awesome. I appreciate you so much. I have a question for you. Do you want to hear more about what's going on with mine and Kyle's lives? Um, we currently don't really do too much of that on the, on a the podcast but i'm happy to tell you guys what's going on with us and you know update you with our research or just tell you a little bit more about us as individuals so if that's something you might be interested in feel free to reach us reach out to us on instagram twitter facebook send us a dm send us an email do whatever you like we really are curious if you want to see uh more of us hear less of us or just want us to jump into the research happy to do all of those things so yeah, if you made it to this, the end of the episode, you are a truly dedicated listener, and I actually want to know what your opinion is, so please do reach out to us. I recently went to the beach for the first time since COVID, and it was glorious, so that was really amazing, but I had a lot of conversations with people that listened to the episodes, and they never gave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and I was so torn up about it so if you you are one of those people and you're listening right now and you haven't already given us a review on apple podcast please do go over there even if you just listen to us on spotify it really does help us out um, and tell your friends about us we really want more viewers and want to spread the spread the wealth spread the information spread some more knowledge about bullshitting and sharks 
uh, and sexuality relationships and whatever the hell else we've covered in the last 45 episodes. For those that are curious about what's coming down the pipeline, we have a ton of episodes that have been just recorded. We've got so many cool episodes coming up. So we've got uh, episodes with Dr. Eric Helms on bodybuilding and powerlifting that's been recorded. We had Kareva Matuku on who talked about alibis and eyewitness lineups. We had uh, Emma Ellis on for agroforestry. We've got Morton Christensen on to talk about the evolution of language acquisition and how we use our language. God damn, we have a lot of good guests coming on now. Um, and we've got more coming in. As we speak, I'm probably getting emails with future guests so, that we can have on. So if there's anything you want to hear more of, anything you want to hear less of, please do let us know. I'm excited to hear from you guys. Have a wonderful day. Cheers. Cheers.